I am unashamed. What about you? So we're back um, on the Unashamed podcast. It's always good to have Zach in with us again. Zach, are you okay? I'm good. So Zach, you were you were saying you were saying before we we forgot to mention it on the last podcast that about what your daughter's doing, Layla's doing with Sadie. Tell us about that project. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to drop. So Friday, let me look at my calendar. Friday this. I think week. this will be all. This will be Friday when it airs. I think. Oh, well, I guess so. Today, got a thumbs yeah. up from the guy behind yeah, so the glass. Today, for you listeners, today. Yeah, today, August twelfth. Um, Sadie's dropping a new album called uh, "Live Original Worship." I believe is the name of it. Um, and so God just put on her heart that that they needed to be be doing worship ministry and. So they had had these songs written and um, they were looking for a, a lead female vocalist on a couple of the songs. And they were like, well, how are we going to get, who are we going to get? And Corey was like, what about Layla? And she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't think of her. So she called us up. Layla, my daughter is a, she just graduated high school. So she's going to college. But um, so, yeah, so they're dropping this Friday. I think the the first uh, song they're releasing is called Steady Light. It's, I mean, it, it's, it is a, it's going to be incredible. So you guys got to check it out on Spotify or on um, Apple Music, wherever you get your music from. Uh, yeah, go check it out. I, I think the Unashamed Nation would love it. We'll probably have Sadie on the podcast soon to talk about what she's doing, too. So um, Yeah, we, we need to. And not only to tell us about that, but also we got to get her to do that. The promises. Oh, I, I, I watched it. Uh, somebody said she had spoken, so I watched it online. And so she did this thing about the empty promises of the evil world versus God's promises. And one of her points was if you're going to be in this spiritual war and you're going to be successful. And I love this point because it's just stating the obvious typical Robertson. <laughs> you need to know the promises of God. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. So, and she, yeah, she rattled off about 20. Uh, I wrote them down and and they were, she was putting the verse, just rattling them off. It, but before I read them, even well, when save them, we won't do that with her. Well, I know, but we can get her take on it. It's okay, good. Kind of inspiration. Yeah, you're right. You're it, right. You know, I mean, the promises of God are the promises of God. But I mean, He will guide us. He's with us. He has compassion on us. I, I mean, I'm not listing all the verses, but He promised eternal life to love us, to advise us, to help us make our path straight. Uh, promises grace. He cleanses us. He promises freedom, his wisdom, uh, truth. I can't read my writing on there, but he is the truth, I guess. Uh, satisfy. He's faithful to redeem us, to make us whole, never to leave us or forsake us. Uh, and he promises himself, his qualities, his character. I mean, those are things I'm just rattling off. But even in Hebrews eleven six, where he says, when you think about what he said, anyone who, who uh, what does it say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because right. anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Well, those are two promises. He says, I, I, I exist. We, we don't look at it like that. We're right. like, do you believe God exists? Well, he said he did. He said he does. He says, he, "I." Jesus said, "I am." And he can't lie. And he's all sovereign. Yeah. So, and she she went back to this basically two places, which I thought it was brilliant. She went to the garden and showed how the evil one 
What did he do? He took the promises of God and just kind of shaped them. Yeah. Well, God knows that when you eat of this, yeah. you'll be like him. You'll right. be, well, he, he offered an empty promise. But, and she did another thing in that when Jesus went from the water to the wilderness, I mean, the, the height of you know, being baptized, being declared as the son of God, you're my son, I'm well pleased. And then what does the spirit do? Takes him to be tempted. Yep. And I really thought she did a good job of capturing that moment. Cause we all think, well, he's Jesus. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna bow to Satan. I mean, what that wasn't even a temptation. But when you read in Hebrews, and we're here, he was tempted in every way. Why? So he could help us. In that moment, he was a human. And when you think about she pointed this out cleverly. When you think about what the evil one was offering, it was actually a pretty, pretty nice offer. He was saying, "You want to establish your kingdom? You want to on on earth? Let's team up. I'll give you that without you having to die." Because that was the real. Right. You saw that was the real temptation. Because when Jesus actually got to the cross, man, he was like, "Is there another way?" Or three know, times. Well. So, you know, that really hit me in that moment. Three times he was tempted with Scripture, by the way, Satan, to show you his ability. He was using Scripture. Three, he hadn't eaten in 40 Right, 40 days. days. I mean, three times he, he, he attempts to alter the plan, and then, not ironically to me, three times in the garden, Jesus says— It is written. Yeah. Are we sure? Yeah, I, I think. This it, is what I, we need. Yeah, let, let's let's revisit that verse six again, because I, I think that's a great verse. If you are listening and you're like, you hear the word faith, and you're thinking, well, what? How do you define it? That, that's another great verse that kind of defines what faith is, because he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And then he and then he basically tells us what that faith looks like. For he who comes to God has to do two things. Number one, you got to believe that he exists, but that's that's not enough just to believe that he is, because even the demons believe and they shudder, according to James. So it's not mm. it's not just that we believe that God is there. We also have to believe the second part that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So I would equate that to mean you got to believe that God is is God that he's big, and you have to believe that he's good. Those are the two things, and that's how Satan, when he tempt, when he comes in and he tempts us, what does he do? He gets you to question one or both of those things. Either he gets you to believe that God's not there but through some materialistic, atheistic worldview type stuff, or maybe you believe God is there, but you're like, yeah, but he doesn't really have my best interest at heart. That's what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. It's like, did God really say? And so I think faith, you go back, I know you're going to go back in a second here and, and go through, like, I guess we can start with with, uh, with the Hebrew writer starts with Abel. But it's it's believe. But when we act out, we act out believing the two things that God is powerful, He is God, and that God's good. He has our best interest at heart, and then we respond to His revelation out of that uh, presupposition. If that makes sense, I think that's pretty in interesting. When you read that, I was just thinking about that, Jace. Well, another promise uh, that she referenced was in the one in First Corinthians ten when it says, "No temptation that seized you." except what is common to man, but God always provides a door, you yeah, know? Right. Well, that's a promise. That's a promise. Well, how comforting is that? There was a door out, and Jesus stepped through it with the very word of God. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it was in that moment he trusted the promise, which is what we we should do. Yeah. But I I, I agree, and I think it's interesting that Satan would say, yeah, but God said this, and then Jesus said, yeah, but that's here's what God who he is and what he what he means. I mean, and that's exactly how people try to get around it. Well, God God wants me to be happy, and so therefore, yeah. you know, that's why I'm having this affair and I'm leaving my my spouse. Well, well no, right. that's that's yeah. not you 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 know. Which is first of all, so funny. You, you have assumed a promise that God well, never made. God think, never made a promise that you'd be happy. Think what commercials do. Look in in movies. I mean, I've been. You know, I took up for that one movie, which I'm sure people didn't agree. But like a movie like Mission Impossible, I think's terrible. It, and people are like, oh, well, we like that movie. It's Tom Cruise, and he's doing these great things. It's all it's a lie. It was not an impossible mission. He went out, and he did it. You want to know a mission that's impossible? You cannot. It is impossible without faith to please God. You're going to have to decide, you know what, without seeing him, without him tapping on your shoulder and saying, hey, you're, you're going to have to believe in the unseen God through faith, and you're going to have to put your faith and trust that he's going to reward you if you, you stick it out. And it's going to be difficult because all these stories, all these people, incre- uh, they faced incredible I mean, incredible circumstances. He gets down to that in a minute about sawed in two, stomp, jump, just slaughter. absolutely the worst thing you can think of. Which the is scum of the earth. So here, here's what here's what happens in a practical illustration. Phil, to your point, you know Paul in Romans eight, which this makes non Christians really mad, but it makes people who are going through difficulty mad, is when some tragedy happens, what do Christians do? Well, they say, well, Romans 8, you know, God works all things for the good for those who love him. And yeah. you're sitting here, you know, some child is a, is abused or a kid dies That's from cancer. cancer, and, you know, some, some Christian comes up and says, well, God works all things for the good. Well, in that moment, they're mad when you read that because they're like, uh-uh, there was nothing good about this. But you got to remember that, why does he allow good people to have well, right. bad? Well, I'm times. gonna get to my point is because Paul also wrote Second Corinthians 11, same author. Well, it is a paragraph of just the worst possible things that could happen to any person on on the earth. I mean, he was Short of death. he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was flogged, he was bitten by a poisonous snake. He it, 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 it's just. It's over. Why would a God? Why would a loving God allow that to happen? Well, and this guy wrote that because he's saying, in all that, as bad as life is, and it's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. In all these circumstances we're reading, we're not sitting here saying, "Well, you know, you don't think that wasn't rough for Noah and his family, the persecution." The unknowing, I mean, this is the most crazy thing ever. We're going to, hey, God told me something. He's going to end the world. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine having that family meeting? <laughs> it's all ending, and it's going to happen in a flood. You're, you're like, what? And everybody else has just turned evil, you know, into these just evil Worse than we can imagine. But, worse than our culture today. It was Lord, worse then. It was worse. But in Paul's case, Jace, God didn't only allow it to happen. Jesus promised it would happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. You remember in Acts 9.16, he told Ananias, he said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So he said right before he, Paul went off, you know, when he and got his sight back. So what I'm saying is he said, it's oh, it's going to happen. It's a promise. You will suffer for the name of Jesus. So you, you want to say who you are, you Lord, get ready, buckle up. And well, so that, that's my whole point. Look, even though we don't know all the information and in your own life, look, I have right now, I'm in a, the most confusing situation of my life. You know, I have a, I have a baby that I've had for five months and I have no idea. I wish I had more information. I wish God would say, now here's how, here's how all this works. Cause it just, you know, you realize that my timetable is not the Lord's, and I'm I have to trust in the promises of God, even though I have no idea practically how all these it will end, I, or even how it's going to connect to the end. You know, you just you just say, you know what, I'm going to trust God in this. So that's exactly what Jesus did in the in the desert and in the garden. Remember how he closed them both. Not my will, but yours be done. Talking to the Father, and so I made the point yesterday in my sermon. It when we submit my having to know, my having to you know get this done, my having to understand. We when we submit that on our knees to the Father, that's when it changes. That's when we're doing what He gets. I'll follow you, God. But here's my condition: too much trouble. Yeah, starts coming my way. I'm going to be asking, what did I do wrong? What did I go wrong? I mean, how come things are so hard in this particular endeavor? This is just bad stuff. You know, I told you I'd follow you, you know. Well, (laughs) go ahead, Zach. Hang on, Zach. Hang on, Zach. Hang on, Zach. Let's take a break. So, Zach, I don't know if you remember this one time we were on a, a plane together, and I picked up a Time magazine. We read an article in there about the devastating effects of pornography on our culture, uh, especially oh, yeah. in, in young men. And it's really sad. And unfortunately, pornography is not something that just affects uh, unbelievers, but believers as well. And, and because of the easy access to it, uh, it it's really a, a pandemic of its own. And so there's a group, uh, one of our sponsors, a new sponsors called Covenant Eyes. And uh, for 22 years, uh, they've been helping people uh, to have a porn-free life, uh, which we're very supportive of, uh, over one and a half million people, in fact. Uh, it's, it's not something we like to talk about, but we have to talk about it because it's such a plague on our society. Yeah. And so if, if that's a problem for you and you're listening to our podcast, we want you to get what these guys are offering because it will help you and your family. Uh, so right now, you can try Covenant Eyes free for 30 days. That's a 30-day free trial if you sign up today with the promo code Phil, And uh, you have nothing to lose except a, a bad habit. So check them out. Visit CovEyes.com, C-O-V-E-Y-E-S.com, CovEyes.com slash Phil, uh, and get some help. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that article that uh, um, yeah, was talking that, about how— that They were impotent. Yeah. That the, this one had nothing to do with spiritual. They had become impotent. Because they could not have sex with their girlfriends or wives no, because I, of. I see how it could happen because it's a, it's a, it's not a re, re, right. real. Actually, you're being attracted to something that's not real. Well, so right. if you got a real woman laying there, it's like, nope, that doesn't appeal to me anymore. You talking about the empty promise? Oh, what are you talking about? I mean, you look up when you're seventy, or you know, and then you're not. What are you going to do then anyway? Your all bodies break down. That's it. 
So it's just a bridge to nowhere. I think this is this is what this is what the Hebrew passage is talking about. You this is like the covenant eyes, that's a that's a way you can train your senses, you know, to distinguish good from evil. Yeah, I think the the key the key is that is here in Hebrews eleven that he's get, trying to get across is that faith is not as concerned about the how as it is with the who, and and it's not it's not irrational. It's faith is not the opposite of rationality. Faith is not irrational, but faith what faith means when you when you take when you make a, a belief about something that you can't see, it's it's still based in rational thought. It's just that. You you don't understand how God's working these things out, but yet you're still trusting in in who He is that He is going to deliver. Just like the Abraham is the prototype, Abel. You know, Abel's out there making sacrifices to God when his brother Cain is when his sacrifices are like halfway because Cain's like I don't know if God's going to really take care of me, so I better preserve some of this for myself just in case God doesn't do what He said He's going to do. And Abel's like Nah, God said He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's getting the first fruit of my of, of of my sacrifice. He's getting the best of the best because he's not he's not second guessing whether God's going to come through on His promise. And mm-hmm. all of these examples, Enoch, Noah, uh, Abel. I mean, the, the whole list of all of these people that that the one thing they all had in common, the ones that were men of faith, men of the men of renown, is that they truly believed that God was able to do what he said he was going to do and that God was faithful and that he was going to do it. That's yeah. faith. They didn't know yeah, how John, God was going to do it. John the Apostle yeah. wrote, uh, and he said, we should remember that we should love one another. He said, and not be like Cain. First statement, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder his brother? Because his deeds were evil and his brother was righteous. It's that simple. And that's the first murder I know of that was recorded. Well, all this stuff that comes your way, you, you say, be careful who you belong to. It should, it should be evident by your walk. It does say it'll tell you who, who you belong to. You love well, your yeah. brother. And he's, he's going to bring that story. He's going to bring Abel up in, in chapter 12 and 24 when he talked about Jesus being the mediator of a new covenant and to yep. sprinkle blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel because here was the first murder. It was a guy who was innocent from that happening. Yeah. But you say, well, why was he saying Jesus is better? Well, Jesus was completely innocent about anything. Right. I mean, and he, it was, yeah. it was the punishment. But what I was going to make a point and say is the, cause to go back to my original thing about the Romans eight, it says he works things with good, but it doesn't say we're going to be comfortable during the process. And when you look at Hebrews 12 and, and chapter 10, what chapter 11 is wrapped around, when he gets to chapter 12 and says a statement like endure hardship as discipline, uh, you run the race with perseverance. You know, in your struggle against sin, you haven't resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So a lot of the circumstances were tough because he had said in chapter 10, he's like, remember those earlier days when you when you received the light and you stood your ground in the face of suffering and you were publicly exposed to insult, you were persecuted, you 
you had uh, you had your property confiscated. Well, when I'm reading this, I'm like, well, now I see why they wandered away. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah. when, when, that is the problem. You're, you want the blessings without the uncomfortability <laughs> and the sacrifice. That's why Gordon, his, his father, Zach, your father, sent me a little something that somebody, some group, had me down there. They said that my problem was I was unhinged. You? Completely unhinged. You were unhinged yeah, or they were? were? They said I was completely the, the so-called patriarch of the Duck Dynasty crowd. You were unhinged. He is unhinged. You need to write a book and call it unhinged. Yeah. Or we got un, that, was unfiltered, the, that was in the working title. Unfiltered, That's actually uncanceled, in the working title. Unhinged. Everything's on well, something. I like it. And then, well, th then let, me, let, let me say this real quick. Because I love what you did there, Jason, when talking about the suffering and uncomfortability. I was thinking of how I could like trick, trick y'all into this story by telling you about this guy in Memphis that was a psychopath that would basically take his victims – and over a period of like a year and a half, he would he would like rip their teeth out. It's just just for sadistic pleasure, I guess. I don't know why he did it, but he, he rips their teeth out, and then he would leave them out for like a, a six eight month period until you realize that that guy was my brother, who's a dentist who <laughs> did a, a tooth extraction on myself. The context matters, you know. Our vantage point oh, matters. I if I take yeah. my little my daughter. I take my daughter, my, my, my young daughter into the dentist. She's probably thinking, man, this guy, like, how could a, how could a loving father sub yeah. subject his child to such torture? Yeah. Well, Cause I realize that if we don't get the tooth out, yeah, there's going to be issues that are bigger later. So exactly. vantage point matters. And what Hebrews offers us is this vantage point that does explain suffering. It explains, you know, Phil's question earlier, why would a loving God allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, we don't have the vantage point that God has, and, and we're eternal. We're, we're made to, to be eternal. We mentioned this in the last podcast, the, uh, Ecclesiastes 3, God put eternity into the hearts of men, but we, can, we can't understand it. But there's a bigger thing going on here than our little 80 years of temporal existence. It's there's something like bigger going when, when on. When I read the unhand statement that uh, Gordon sent me, you know what I did when, it, when he sent that? When I first read it, you say, what was your first response when somebody saying you're an unhinged out there in la-la land? I smiled. What'd you say? I smiled. You smiled? I smiled. When I read that, I smiled. It made you feel good? And Yeah. Because, <laughs> so you're unhinged I, I, I was Jesus. I was thinking immediately... Oh, I'm hinged, all right. I ain't unhinged. I'm, I'm hinged to Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator of the cosmos. Your T-shirt. Well, that? they said Noah was unhinged. Oh, by that the was their accusation against oh, Noah. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of unhinged. Speaking of good T-shirt ideas, somebody needs to get one. Feels unhinged or hinged to Jesus. I don't know. We'll work something out on that. He's unhinged. Rehinged. Rehinged. He's, he's rehinged to Jesus. That uh, when we were at that. That event, <laughs> Dallas, a whole family came came up, and they all had matching shirts, and it said Jesus, no skeletons, <laughs> and they had me. They just did bought. their own homemade. They, yeah, they said we love it. <laughs> They're not in the closet, and they're not in the grave. And here's a box. 
for you. We made you a box of T-shirts. So they beat you to it, T-shirt people. They just did it. They don't uh, sell well, that's T-shirts. Pretty funny. And I said, now we're talking. What they missed, the writers of my being unhinged. Bill, you're uh, upset about this. Yeah, he said no, you were unhinged. I, I, I'm smiling. Uh, <laughs> unhinged is to dislodge. So my my criticism was coming from people who said he's dislodged and he's detached. And so you've detached yourself from the culture. To show the mind into to throw the mind into confusion. That's the, the charge against me. Unbalanced. So you're out of your mind for Christ. That's that's what they were saying. Well, that's He's a complete, uh, complete idiotic fool. You're sick at Corinthians. Well, there's another verse. We're we, hinged and he's unhinged. We've become fools for Christ. <laughs> yeah. So, Dad. Yeah. And they step up and I said, oh, you're a man or woman? They say, I don't know, but I tell that you're unhinged. I said, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, Dad, you're, Jason's right. This, you're exact. You're Paul in 2 Corinthians. Yeah, read it. Because he kept talking about him being unhinged because he's, I'm a fool for this. That's right. Then he says in the one I was going to read was in chapter 12. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. And then he says in insults. That's why I smile. Yeah. In insults and weakness and hardship and persecution, difficulty. And that word, that Greek word for more gladly means. And he was undergoing way more persecution than I ever was. The Greek word for more gladly means sweet. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody somebody gets after, you know what you say? Sweet. I take persecution as a badge of honor. Yeah. The one I serve. Well, you think about, you, you think. You think about the culture, we, church culture we live in. I mean, people do not want to be marginalized. I mean, they are so fearful of being culturally yeah. ostracized oh, and yeah. pushed aside as being irrelevant and out of touch and unhinged and all the things you mentioned. Man, you but you get into Hebrews eleven and you're like, man, them boys were going through a whole other level of persecution. Yeah. It was way more than just social, you know, isolation. Oh, and, but and, think and, about uh, it, it, Zach. Was, they that's why this this lie. This empty promise in the religious world was the Jewish system that he's addressing here. These Jewish Christians, they were trying to they were asking the question, how do we get back to God? And they were going back to their old system. And what God was saying and the Hebrew writer is God came to you in Jesus. I mean, that's the difference. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and make that public. Bad things are going to happen to you. That's exactly right. There's going to be confiscation of property. There's a, ultimately you refer to it. They may saw you in two. Yeah. I mean that that wasn't just something he was oh, your limbs o- off overly dramatic about. You say why did that happen? And this this verse in chapter ten talking about sympathizing with those in prison and people here today saying, oh God wants us to sympathize with. These were people in prison because of their faith in Jesus. It wasn't because yep. they committed some crime out there. They That's were right. out loud and on purpose for Jesus, and they locked them up, and they killed them. They tortured them. They, uh, the culture made fun of them. They spit on them. They took everything they had. I mean, they just made their life a mess. Let's take a break. So I've been telling you guys about one of my 
favorite summer things has been is when every month when I get my box of awesome from a, a company called Bespoke Post that's been uh, one of our sponsors for a pretty good while. Uh, I went online, boxofawesome.com, and took a little quiz, kind of things that interested me. And so they, they send me a box every month. And so, Jason, I was going to show you So this last month, because I never know what it's going to be. Mm. But they sent me a straight razor. Oh, wow. Which is what this is to, to try to shave with. So, and it's even got the, you know, the um, shaving cream that's in here. It's mm. kind of more like a balm. And then I like this. They even send you these. These are, these are matches that you actually stick to your face. I guess whatever's in a match will help stop bleeding. So if you, you know, nick yourself or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, you, they thought of everything. You probably need a healthcare professional on hand if you're going to try now, to do that. You, you may not need this, Jace. You probably wouldn't use yeah. that. But but I, I do shave mine from time to time. Uh, but it's stuff like this. It's, it's really great brands. It's fun. Um, each box, uh, you're, of course, you're supporting their small business, which is great. Um, and, and all these businesses that have are, you know, small businesses around the country. So it's free to sign up. You can skip a month or you can cancel anytime. So you get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code Phil at checkout. So that's boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil, 20% off your first box. Yeah. No, I agree. <clears throat> and, you know, it's interesting because back to Hebrews 11, whenever you look at, we, we've been talking about Abel, who was murdered by his brother. And the reason he was m- murdered is because his brother was jealous of his praise from God and his sacrifice and his heart, really. Yep. Because he compared it to himself and he thought, so this is where we start to see this diver- this divergence happen in Genesis from the men who would trust in God and men who wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it when uh, Adam and Eve have another son named Seth, and he says, since Abel was murdered by his brother, you know, this is his replacement, so to speak. And I say that in quotes. But then it says right after that in Genesis that he, from this time on, men began to call on the name of the Lord, Hmm. Which is really interesting. So Abel has been sacrificed, because we know that from Hebrews 12. Jace, you read that earlier. His life meant something to people in the lineage now of Seth. By the way, yeah, and you seldom hear this, Zach. When you get we get to Hebrews 12, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Now just check this out. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and, and, and this right here flies in the face of most thinkers. And God, he, God, punishes everyone he accepts as a son. I and mean, you could add daughter. So, so discipline yeah. is part of following Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's, it has to be there. You know what I'm saying? We all need yep. discipline from God from time to time. He helps us. So you say, well, why is he doing this to me? Well, suck it up. Look around, see what you're up to, and change the direction. So you, so Dad's right. And and what you see the difference then is people who, how they look at God, and that's where faith comes in. So you look back at, at this line of Seth, and we get to this guy Enoch, who's mentioned here in Hebrews 11. Well, it, before, before you read that, I want to just say one thing, though, about Abel. Because I do think it's important. When when you read that story in chapter 4, when he said, The Lord said to Cain, Where's your brother Abel? This is verse 9. I don't know, he replied, and my bro- 
am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, and I think this is an important reference when you get to why he's making the comparison in Hebrews. He said, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are driven. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your, your brother's blood from your hand, which is, I mean, that's a real, just a sobering thought. I mean, the, I mean, one, I think that when, when bad things happen, one, we usually think, well, God's a million miles away. I mean, no, he was fully aware of the injustice that had happened and to put it so vividly that his blood is, is crying out to me from the ground. Well, he, yeah. the Lord cursed the ground at this moment because it says when you work the ground, verse 12, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer from, from, on the earth. And y'all know I've, I've, I'm into this because I think it's going to make sense when you get to the flood because there's another in this genealogy uh, in chapter 5 in verse uh, 28 when it says, so this is right after Enoch because you had Enoch, then Methuselah, who was the oldest man. That's 25. Then you have Lamech. When he had lived 182 years, this is 528, he named him, uh, he had a son, Noah, and said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toll of our hands caused by the the ground the Lord is cursed. Well, this was all a result of, of Cain killing Abel. So yeah. they'd go out there and work the ground, it ain't coming up. So I do think it makes yeah. more sense that we... Yeah, remember, Noah is, is Cain's grandson. Lamech was... His son. Right. So we're not we're only two generations removed from this yeah. guy. I just think, you know, when you read all this stuff and you think, well, this, it's all confusion. It doesn't make sense. No, it makes perfectly sense. Where, where this culture in this day went off the rails and it, it started with this Cain committing murder, which is an anti-God event. I mean, we're, it, uh, he's about and there's money. a lot of that still going on, Jace. Exactly. And so eventually... You know whether this, what we talked about last podcast, the these whether these uh, these fallen angels or whatever these 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 beings were in Hebrews six that was mentioned in the preview to the flood, whatever your take on that is, the culture literally just went off the rails, and so there's a flood, yeah. and you're going to get to Noah, and then he's then God is going to make this decree in chapter chapter 8 after the water goes down Noah in in 820 built an altar to the Lord and they took some of the clean animals and birds and they sacrificed and made a burnt offering the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and then he said never again will I curse the ground because of man even though every inclination of the heart is evil and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I've done then he talks about you know seed time and harvest so I was like you talk about the consequences of somebody's sin and, and God taking that serious because he is just on this other side. Look, and that's why when you look and you say, well, what if everyone simply loved God and loved their neighbor? Can you imagine what this would look yeah. like, Zach, if everyone just did? Well, I think that was God's goal. 
to just, eventually just love God and love your goal. neighbor. I, and I, let's I think, take that and just try it for a while I, and see if there's a change in our culture. Just think about it, Zach. Yeah. It'll be a complete, utter change. Let's let I'll be it'd be completely different. Let's uh let's read the first seven verses of Hebrews because we hadn't done that yet, but we're like I mean, I think it's interesting. You go back what Al's been getting into, he's about, get, he's about to get us to Enoch and what uh, Jace just did, kind of taking us through Noah. You see the progression here uh, historically in the Old Testament, but he's just referencing this because in verse on, two, Zach. he says let's, it. Hang on, Zach. Let's take a break before you read that. All right, go. So we're, we're reading here in Hebrews 11 when he says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. So he's, he's setting it up here. For by it, faith, the men of old gained approval. Who were the men of old? He's about to tell us. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts through faith. Though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not taste a death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, uh, taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God about the things not yet seen and reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So that's, that's the setup of the text that, that we're getting into when we talk about uh, these patriarchs. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> as we've been talking about Abel and him being murdered, um, and the idea of that being a sacrifice, but it's not as good as sacrifice of Jesus because Jesus was never sinned. Well, right. And, but he's also saying God is not unaware That's of right. injustice and God is going to make it right. I mean, always. Yeah. So I, I just think in the back of your mind, you have to be reminded of that because life is difficult. Bad things do happen. Sometimes it's a consequence of your sin. Sometimes it's a consequence of someone else's sin and there's pain and there's all these things. So that's why when you get to the other side of this and you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're like, what are the, what are the three qualities that Jesus really highlights? Sin, death, and the struggle of life itself. Right. Well, you just think about that. When you start saying God works things to the good, yeah, he does work things to the good. And as painful as it may seem at the time, even when you have faith in Jesus, I mean, he's, you read this, he's not guaranteeing anything. I mean, you could lose your life tomorrow because of your faith or bad things may continue to happen. But you have these promises in the back of your mind that you're like, you know what, no matter how bad it seems. The one in me, what's that verse in verse John 4, is greater than the one out there. Yep. Exactly. So that brings us, Jace, to Enoch, which is a really interesting person because we read about him, and Zach just read about him in Hebrews. He only appears two other times, of course, in the lineage back in Genesis chapter 5. It, uh, when, in verse 18, when Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. Then he lived 800 more years. 
And then 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah, who was the oldest recorded person to live almost a thousand years. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. So in that era, that was pretty young because they were living to be eight, 900 years. And then it says, and had other sons and daughters all together lived 365, a young guy. And then he walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Now, that's a strange way of saying he, he left here. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You, you know, one of the qualities is said about Noah, he walked with God. Exactly right. It's like Enoch. Now, you think about that statement. Because I thought about that first John too when I know, and there was a couple others that I know. Same phrase: He walked with God. I mean, just the obvious is when you walk. That's uh, when you walk with God. Great things are fixed to happen. That's once you walk out of the meeting where you are with fellow believers on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday. That's that, when you walk. You with walk God. with God twenty four seven. That's when the walk takes place. And so I think that's an interesting point, Phil, because. That doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake, but as you're walking with God, I mean, it's like I'm walking with my kids. And guess what? When when they make a mistake, we deal with it. That's why we confess our sins to God. We we deal with it. You're walking with God is not you somehow arriving in your own capacity. That's never going to happen because that's what we think. Well, I can't walk with God because I'm a sinful person, you know, but I do think that's interesting, and I do think it's interesting that it's in here. I mean, this is my personal opinion. You think, why is he in here? Because he, there's no details mm. other than he didn't die. God just took him. I mean, he walked with him and just says God took him. Well, I think he's in here because, number one, what was his reward? He got to be with God. Yep. And I, I think... He interjects that in here because we tend to think, oh, what's heaven going to be like? What am I going to get? You know, I may have a mansion. I want to see the streets to go to. Now, your your reward is being with God. But don't you? I don't know of any other reason why he's in here. So don't you think it's interesting that the first two people were both both left here young compared to everybody else, all their peers? I mean, Abel was murdered. Well, right. And now you got now you got Enoch, who only lived three sixty five. Everybody else is living nine hundred years. So he, he he missed out on, if you want to look at it that way, six hundred years. But he doesn't look on no, that I way because he's a God. I think you're right. I think the because re- a lot of these stories, if people who are struggling with God's plan and and why life is so difficult, well, a lot of people say, well, that's not fair. I mean, why why did he get to? Just go. And, and I'm sure that wasn't clear to everyone what, what happened. I mean, yeah. the Hebrew writer obviously figured it out. Right. But it does seem like, well, how come how come we got to die and he just got to go? Because that's the way human nature is. And everybody's different. God's in control and he's got it figured out. And you, when you read these things, here, this guy's in here. He's in, in the Hall of Faith because he walked with God. And if you want to know what that looks like, let's take our last break. He's mentioned one other time in the Bible. Good old Jude, who doesn't even have, he's only got one chapter, Jude 14. Jude says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, the the kind of men Jude's talking about in his. Yep. See, 
The Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone. Now, this is all pre-flood, pre-Noah, right? So he's looking at that, to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way and of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have <laughs> spoken against it. I think, I think if you were going to talk about his prophecy and sermon, yeah. it'd be called, don't be ungodly. <laughs> so that, So you wonder what it looks like to walk with God? Well, right. That. And I think there's a goal here. Look, look, you could, there's actually situations where a person is walking with God so closely that he just says, come on up here, get up here. I mean, he did it to Elijah also. Yeah. There's an interesting question that comes to my mind when I read that verse. I think about walking with God. I, I think about this verse in uh, John one eighteen that says, nobody has ever seen God except for the Son. And so you start to think, how how does a man walk with God and not see him? He does yeah. it by faith. And so when you when you read Hebrews eleven, this whole thing he's setting up here is this idea of 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 us believing in in a realm in a world that's not seen. That's why he says it's the conviction of things unseen. And then he says, by faith we understand that the world, the visible world, is made out of things that are unseen. You know, Abel believed in a promise that he couldn't see, you know, that God was going to take care of him and, and he's going to sacrifice. Enoch walked with a God that was unseen. Uh, Noah being uh, verse seven, being warned by God about things unseen. So all these people that, that are get what, what I think he's getting to is they, they didn't see it visibly in front of them, but they were recognizing a reality that was there that was not either not visible because it maybe it was a spiritual reality or maybe it was a promise that not ha- had not yet been fulfilled. But the idea is that just because we can't see that it's right in front of us doesn't mean that it's irrational for us to believe it. And these examples, at least these first few, are are people leaning into something exactly. that can't be I mean, look, I want to scream sometimes when I'm at a church service or, you know, I'm like, stop looking for a sign and start believing. I mean, you have the promises of God. You're, if you're looking for something beyond what has already been written and what God has already promised, that's an empty promise. Because yep. his promise will take care of every possible need that you could ever ask or imagine. Yep. It's there. I agree. And which we, we do talked, the research. We you know? talked about that a lot when we were talking about when we studied Matthew and John. Jesus, how many times did he say that? That's what you just said. You're always asking about signs. Here I am, but all you can ask me about is signs of when I'm coming. I mean, I, look, I get it. Life can be difficult. I brought up last time about you know us having this baby and not being able to see anything that makes sense in the short term. But you just got to stop looking and start believing. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> God's got a plan. We're gonna what? we're gonna follow stop God's looking principles. And start believing. <laughs> yeah, there's you know another I mean? T-shirt. <clears throat> I like that line, Jay. That's a T-shirt. There's a T-shirt. I'm tempted mm-hmm. to Google it right now to see if someone's already come up with it. Stop but, looking and start, start believing. Stop I gotta, looking I gotta and start, start a T-shirt believing. company. Exactly. I gotta start if a T-shirt company. You started to a on all T-shirt this. company two years ago. We would, you know, we would. Yep. We'd all be rich. Exactly right. Well, I don't know if we'd be rich, but we, I don't know. people would wear a T-shirt. I do like the fact that somebody had their own uh, homemade T-shirts 
from from your line. From it the... was awesome. <laughs> was and look, when I saw it, I said, "I just me an idiot thinking they had just come up with it." I said, "I just did a podcast." <laughs> With that same thought, and they said, "Yeah, that's why we made the T-shirts." I went, oh. "Good luck to you." <laughs> oh. And look, when He's I was just thinking, "What are the odds that I just talked about this?" Well, this so whole I family? said, "You did," and they just all started screaming and hollering. But it was a fair. It was a mom and the dad and the kids, and we were high fiving. Yeah, I thought, "No, we're we're this." And is... if you walk by you on a dark night, you know you'd have your hands in the head. I could have made a lot of money. No skeletons. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think I think back to the back to because all the people we're talking about here in these first seven verses, to Zach's point, I mean they were much closer to the creation and all that. And obviously, pre everything pre flood has a little bit different feel to it than everything post flood. Don't you? Is that a fair statement? To say even when yeah. you look back at all the scripture, I keep thinking their every thought was evil. Yeah. They're every, we, everybody's every th- every thought. Wickedness well, I, I and violence. I mean, it yeah, was it, it would have been a. I mean, it's rough today in places, but I mean, everybody except for one family. That's why I don't really get into like a whole lot of doomsday stuff. You know, a lot, a lot of folks get bent out of shape and think about how bad culture is or how bad the world is. I'm like, man, the world's been bad. <laughs> it's been worse. That's it's right. been worse, right? I mean, it's like every generation. Every generation thinks, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. And I'm like, well, no, not really. I mean, would you want to go back to the like to the days of, of before, you know, when what the, what's described here in, in, in Noah's account? I mean, I, that sounds like Mad Max yep. type reality to me. So, you know, I don't I, I think I think our call is to just kind of lean into to our cultural moment and really be show a picture of, of God's redemption through Jesus. I think that's what Hebrews is setting up here. Yeah, things may get bad. But they've always gone. I mean, the, history has always proved to be difficult for God's people. But the point is, is that that there's more than just your 80 years of temporal existence here. Like God's, he made, He's made you for eternity. And even in that, I think these people that were slaughtered, and it was a slaughterhouse in Hebrews 11, no doubt about it. I truly believe that they were fulfilled. I think they were sustained by the Holy Spirit. I think that these people had a joy that is in that we can't even comprehend in the midst of, of the worst pain and suffering and persecution. I think they understood something about reality that, that's hard for us to grasp. I, you know, these these were men of, of renown, people that we should look up I to. I did right? find it interesting that because we know when the, the line sort of split, you, you started having people calling on God in the pre-flood era that the the evil line wound up winning the entire known world except for Noah and his family. So to 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 your point, Zach, I mean, when you think about that, when when it goes that rogue away from God, you get to the point where there has to be an, and so yeah. I wonder, you know, is are we are we going are we gonna go there again and that's when he's gonna come back or is it gonna be before that again? We'll never know. But it did it can get so bad on this planet with human beings and the evil ones still being here that they can all go over to the evil side except that's for right. one family. <laughs> I mean, that's well, what happened. Well, you think about Noah. I mean, here's Noah who is putting his faith and trust in God when literally no one else was. And you you say, well, what's that mean to me today? Look, the age group of 11 or 12 to 21, 
the number one driving force yep. is acceptance among their peers. I mean, it it is such a draw. I don't yep. know if social media has intensified that or what. Probably has. It, it literally just seems like all these these people I've studied with, young people, and I, it, they're just like driven to be accepted and and to have Liked friends and, and and I'm like I'm looking at this. I mean, we you got to have some you you. There's some Noah moments that are going to have to happen in our, in the young people's world. You're yep. just going to have to say, you know what? If no one else out here is going to do it, because in the end, God wins. You you win. I, I thought about those two passages yep. in Romans seven, and, and where he talks about uh, verse four, where it says. My brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another. And then when he reiterates it in 24 and 25, you know, then this struggle with sin on a personal daily basis. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you trust in these promises that God's going to rescue me from my sin. You read the first Corinthians 15. You know, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. We're going to live forever. We're going to live with God forever. There's no secret sauce about how to fit in into the culture. If you go out there and put your faith and trust in Jesus, they will exclude you. They're going to make fun of you. And and there's no secret sauce to it. You just got to make a decision. That's what I'm going to do. And I think when you combine Just smile and move on. I think when you combine it with the way the media and and those who are not believers and and TV and movies portray the empty promises, you know, you think about uh, you know alcohol alcoholism is a big problem in our in our culture. Well, when you see a commercial about it, what is it? It's a party, and it's that age group, and everybody's oh, yeah. having. Well, have you ever seen a commercial? I'd love to just somebody put the money up and make a commercial where the opening scene is a guy on his hands and knees just going, (laughs) and you look around and there's police (laughs) in in the, uh, you know, and then just have a beer. Yeah, It's like. Drink on. <laughs> well, now am I being am I being ridiculous or is that what happens a lot of times in that world? Yeah. Well, you're not gonna show that. You, well, you, but that you're portraying an empty but, promise, but, 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 is what I'm to, saying. To and social acceptance. This, this is what you Boy, get. Well, this is great. Hang on, Zach. Hang on, Zach. Zach, all that thought. We're out of time. I hit a nerve with Zach. Well, I want to hear. Talk about it. No, I want to hear what you have to say in the overtime. So that's blazedtv.com/slash/unashamed if you want to listen to Zach's rebuttal. (laughs) Well, surely there's no rebuttal against that. All right. I knew when Zach moved closer to the mic, I knew. He's barfed like that before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to the club. I have to add that to the add that to the actual podcast. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else. Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.